0: The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's Mightiest Heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt them back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to episode 79 of Some Assembly Required, your wiggly adventure into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. This week, we are taking a look at Avengers number 74, Pursue the Panther. This issue is written by Roy Thomas, pencils by John Buscema, inks by Tom Palmer, letters by Sam Rosen, and it comes to us in March of 1970. Starting off with our cover, there's a lot to take in on this cover, but things are somewhat decentralized. The art itself is really strong but the layout leaves me without a good sense of really where this issue is going. And I mean that in a way, not like a mystery, but more of an aimless wandering kind of feeling. Also, the fact that there is a black background behind the buildings almost gives me the feeling like they're working on a soundstage or at a theater as opposed to actually being in New York City, and that's a little bit of a drawback. Actually getting into our issue, as the Avengers stare intently at their television, they cannot believe what they are hearing as a news announcer informs the audience that the Black Panther has turned to a life of crime. And the Avengers take it upon themselves to capture the Black Panther, lest they also be considered criminals for their teammates' apparent criminal actions. So far, to date, his crimes have all been directed towards those who are suspected of supporting the Sons of the Serpent, our big, xenophobic, racist villain from last issue. Unfortunately, I wish this opening to the issue gave us a little bit of a better sense of how much time has passed since Black Panther was captured by the Sons of the Serpent at the end of last issue. Because if Black Panther has become a criminal, I would like to know how much time we've had to make that determination. It's fairly obvious that there's been at least some amount of time, because he's apparently committed several crimes, but is this a course of a couple of days or a couple of weeks or maybe even a month or two? I'm inclined that it's somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple of days just based on how comic book timing typically works, but it's pretty unclear. On top of this stunning announcement, the news anchor states that Black Panther's actions must imply that he is not only African-American, but that he is also leading a new form of militancy. Now, I have a hard time believing that even in 1970, the idea of a character named Black Panther being an African-American would be surprising to the audience, but apparently, based on the way this news anchor addresses the audience, this should be something that they would find shocking and not necessarily appalling but unexpected and that leaves me scratching my my head a little bit now the avengers obviously contest the idea that black panther is somehow this new militant because it really goes against the character of the man they have come to know but the news is pretty clear in showing that black panther has actively been involved in crimes and even more recently has been fighting back against police On top of this, to conclude the broadcast, a recently received tape is played featuring the Supreme Serpent. And the villainous leader that he is slanders the Avengers before declaring that the Sons of the Serpent will be responsible for unmasking Black Panther, and that they're going to do it within a few short hours. Now, this scene does a really excellent job of setting up the Sons of the Serpent's primary plan for this issue. They intend and, and have been using a counterfeit Black Panther to commit a number of crimes that target them or their supporters, flipping the conversation here and making them look like the victims instead of the instigators. Once they've done that, they can then capture or pretend to capture him, reveal Black Panther to be a radical minority, and this is going to drive the supporters of the Sons of Serpent to rage and ideally civil unrest, maybe civil war. Now, all things considered, I do have to say that I find Yellow Jacket's open mindedness here to be a little bit surprising. While, under most circumstances, this is a fairly admirable quality. I would expect Yellowjacket to have a little bit more faith in his teammate, even if Black Panther is a relatively new teammate. What the Avengers should be more focused on, and what is more unsettling, should be the reappearance of the Supreme Serpent. Last time we saw the Sons of the Serpent, their leader was unmasked and then imprisoned. So, at this point, the Avengers don't know if it's the original Supreme Serpent or if someone else has taken his mantle. But even when the Sons of the Serpent have been slowly making their presence known again, they really haven't seen the Supreme Serpent. So for him to now come out, that tells the Avengers that things have begun to escalate. Lastly, I kind of want to know, how does a terrorist group like the Sons of the Serpent have access to this much media? In general, we would not broadcast complete speeches and announcements from an organization like ISIS or the Taliban. So why would the media be doing so for what amounts to a domestic terrorist? Why would they be giving them that degree of support? In the bowels of the Sons of the Serpents submarine, Black Panther is forced to watch this broadcast and it drives him into further frustration because the Black Panther is disgusted by the idea of being used to incite this degree of civil unrest or even civil war. And as a result, Black Panther declares his intention to obtain his freedom. So making T'Challa watch everything that is happening without being able to do anything about it, I think is a really great way to torture a person like Black Panther. As someone, again, trying to find their place in the world, they are using Black Panther to execute and support an ideology that he would never agree to. Not only would he never agree to it, but it really is antithetical to what he believes in. So Black Panther trying to find his place in the universe and then having someone else push him into a place that he would never himself choose to go into, and firmly is in opposition to, is really an effective way to mess with someone like Black Panther. And, at this point, the art team does a really great job of conveying all of Black Panther's frustrations with this situation, as they show him swinging between emotions from rage to despair, and it's extraordinarily convincing. I honestly believe that there is a person out there feeling these emotions and going through these swings. Obviously, I know that Black Panther isn't a real person, isn't a real character, but I believe that the emotions behind this fictional character are very real. Adding insult to injury, the news report is followed up by a brand new episode of the Dan Dunn show in which Dunn immediately begins to provoke Montague Hale by demanding what he will do when Black Panther is unmasked as an African American. The two men are once again joined by Monica Lynn who tries to argue that these are the actions of a single person to which Dunn vehemently insists that it is a referendum on the cause of all African Americans and further Dunn man manages to maneuver Hale in such a way and into such a position that Hale is forced to really almost fatally compromise his his stance. Dunn finally provokes Hale into physically attacking him, and it's clear that not only are these two men feeling these tensions, but it's beginning to spill out as we see the television station's control room beginning to boil over with racial tensions as well. One thing I will say about this is it does feel like Hale is allowing himself to be baited far too easily. And it's odd because there's no good reason for Hale and Lynn to once again appear on Dunn's show. Generally speaking, in situations like this, it's really better to let this ideology die quietly and obscurely than to give it the attention and the validation it craves. I mean, if you look at super far right or super far left views, or conspiracy theories, things like that, the more attention you bring to them, the more credence people put in them. So if you just let Dan Dunn and his hateful rhetoric die, go ignored, odds are that it will eventually quietly find its way to the background and die its own little death in obscurity. So as Black Panther continues to watch, he correctly judges the basics of the plan that the Sons of the Serpent have put in motion and the precarious situation he finds himself. The Supreme Serpent then informs Black Panther that he will soon be used to ignite the National Powder Keg. Now while this is going on, the Avengers have decided to take to the streets in an attempt to find their wayward teammates. And because time is very limited, right, they only have a few hours, they're going to go ahead and split up in order to cover more ground. Now, this is just kind of a weird idea to me, that the Avengers are just going to go basically walk around New York City and see if they can't find Black Panther. Having lived in New York City for four and a half years, it's a weird idea weird place but i feel like this is even a little bit too much for new york city i love new york i wouldn't want to change new york but there are actual limits to how weird that place is so vision being the let's let's call him an introvert uh, that he is instead of walking around on street level he actually passes through the ground in order to walk through the sewers Yellow Jacket, on the other hand, is swarmed by autograph-seeking teens and is forced to shrink in order to escape the teens and continue on his mission. Now, both of these I really like because one, I love how Vision just decides that he's going to do his own thing instead of walking around people, and quite honestly, I kind of wish that were an option for myself as well, minus the stench and the filth. Yellow Jacket, on the other hand, is not very good with his celebrity, and it's very fitting for his character being the nerd that he is and, as we've seen, lacking some degree of social skills. So when I see moments like this, it really helps sell the character as being more of a real person, gives them a lot more depth, and makes them far more relatable. Now, Goliath, on the other hand, doesn't have a good experience in that, He is mocked by passersby and then eventually is confronted by a police officer who's directing traffic and accused of causing a traffic jam. Now, all of these comments may have something to do with Goliath's rather odd, still bondage-looking costume. But, unfortunately, Goliath, once again, doesn't really help his situation. And his reaction just reinforces that stubbornness that started off when he was Hawkeye and has really just gotten worse since he has become Goliath. It's almost as if it's a required trait for anyone named Goliath. Wasp, on the other hand, is the only one who happens to be successful in her mission to find Black Panther, and she discovers him while he is robbing a jewelry store and assaulting the poor salesman on duty. So before she confronts Black Panther, Wasp takes a moment to inform the Avengers, and then she confronts her wayward teammate. As the fight starts, however, Wasp begins to suspect that this is not the real Black Panther. It's pretty obvious that when the two encounter each other, something is off. He seems to lack basic knowledge about his teammates that Black Panther should have and it begins the gears turning in Wasp's mind. In reality what has happened here is that the Sons of the Serpent have become so confident in their plan that they have just straight up gotten sloppy. Because Wasp was able to send out this message before encountering Black Panther she is soon joined by Goliath who in order to reach the scene faster climbs up the side of the building. And while I realize that Goliath is now a physically different person this time it's Clint Barton instead of Hank Pym, I always really enjoy watching Goliath go full King Kong climbing up the building because it's such a cultural touchstone. While Black Panther does manage to avoid Goliath, he encounters the remaining Avengers on the roof of the building and is saved only by the timely arrival of an escape vehicle. On their way out, the aircraft blasts Goliath with gas grenades, causing him to fall off the roof, and he takes Fairly sizable chunks of the building with him, and he's only saved by quick thinking on the part of vision and his mass-shifting abilities. Now, for about two pages here, the color palette gets a little bit weird. There's no real reason for the art to shift into this blue hue and even when substantial portions of the panel shift back the buildings in the background still have this tint to them and it's just a little bit off-putting when you've got purple bricks instead of red things like that it's a moment where I just kind of have to look at the coloring and scratch my head and it it's one of those things that momentarily takes me out of the story and that's never a good thing. This is also not the first time we've seen Goliath pushed back or halted in a similar manner, and it really demonstrates that Clint doesn't learn from his mistakes, certainly not while he's Goliath. I think he was better about it as Hawkeye. And it again comes back to this idea that I've, I've put out before that it's almost as if when the magnitude of their size increases, the intensity, the magnitude of their personal flaws also increases. Hank is more irrational. His moods swing much more much faster, Clint is more stubborn, more impulsive, and is less willing to learn from his mistakes when they are Goliath. So it's almost as if something were affecting them specifically as a result of growing to that size. Lastly, I'm also not quite sure how Vision's rescue of Goliath actually worked out. The art here is just not very clear in terms of what happened. Now, what I do like about the scene is that it shows Vision becoming more concerned with his teammates and taking another small, slow step towards improving his humanity. It's a subtle but enjoyable character development moment. Back at Avengers Mansion, the team is visited by Monica Lynn. Miss Lynn arrives just as the Supreme Serpent begins his speech and informs the Avengers about her encounter with Black Panther. With this, the team determines that they have mere minutes to prevent the Supreme Serpent from unmasking Black Panther and starting this national race war. I have to say, Miss Lynn's timing and appearance at the Avengers Mansion strikes me as a little suspicious. Like there's a reason she's trying to push the Avengers into a particular action. Now, as it happens in this case, she is really just a plot device as opposed to being anything sinister. But either way, it's pretty obvious that she is trying to force their hand or trying to push the the story in a particular direction. Now, while I had some issues with the art a few pages ago, there is a great panel of the Supreme Serpent surrounded by little tiny heads of just random people out in the, the world really out in america it serves as a excellent reminder to the reader that all eyes of the nation are focused on this one individual that these aren't characters we know they are just faces that could be anyone's face but that everyone is paying attention to this one individual that's how important this broadcast is the Avengers manage to make it to the abandoned television station where the Sons of the Serpent are broadcasting from just as the Supreme Serpent is finishing his speech. Fighting off several guards, the Avengers and Miss Lynn make their way to the studio just in time to see the imposter Black Panther unmasked. Now, I want to know, like, how long of a speech the Supreme Serpent is making because the time it would take them to get from the, the mansion to this television station has to be several minutes, probably in the neighborhood of 10 minutes, 15 minutes. What they should have done is reveal Black Panther, get it over with. And then at that point, they can monologue all they want. I get from a propaganda standpoint that they'll get the most bang for their buck if they really drive the crowd to a frenzy and then throw it over the top by revealing Black Panther. But at the same time, there's just so much more risk involved with that method then revealing him and then going into their their rant i'd also like to know why the avengers if they made it in time didn't interrupt the speech because although they don't arrive with a lot of time to spare they do manage to get there with 15 20 seconds to go maybe even as much as a minute and then they just kind of hang out behind the curtain i don't understand why they would do this why they would wait So while the Avengers are waiting, Vision manages to locate the real Black Panther and freeze him in time to further unmask the imposter Black Panther as a white man wearing a black mask wearing the Black Panther mask. Now, I don't get why the Sons of the Serpent would bring the real Black Panther to the station. If they were going to use a double in the first place, why would they take the risk? Obviously, in this case, it doesn't work out for them, but in general, either unmask the real man or unmask a doppelganger, and keep the real Black Panther in a safe location. The one thing I I will admit is that this second unmasking gives us a very Scooby-Doo unmasking moment that's kind of funny. I don't think it's it's really not intended to be funny, but anyone who's watched the end of a Scooby-Doo episode where they pull the rubber mask off of someone, this feels exactly like that moment. So in the chaos that ensues, the Avengers are able to gain the upper hand and unmask both the Supreme Serpent and his lieutenant, to be none other than Dan Dunn and Montague Hale. The pair admit that they really had no other motivation than obtaining power for themselves at any price. And as the dust clears on the scene, we find Monica Lynn deciding that she's going to abandon her singing career for one as a leader in the civil rights movement now in the end here none of this is a surprise but this reveal is kind of an odd one and i'll talk about that in just a second now this is the end of the issue and overall i would say that the pacing of the issue is is just a little bit off the story moves through certain parts too quickly and others too slowly and there doesn't seem to be any particular consistency with regards to purpose there are some unimportant moments that feel Drawn out, and other critical ones like this ending are kind of rushed. And I think that really hurts the issue. Now, with regards to the big reveal here at the end, the inclusion of Hale as one of the villains for the issue is not strictly done poorly. But I feel that it undermines the anti racism message that the story is trying to get at. The reality of the 60s and 70s, and in some regards, even our modern day, is that there were a lot of people like Dan Dunn who needed to be brought down. These are men who did all they could to feed the fires of radical unrest and discrimination. Making Hale an undercover operative and the idea that the pair is just doing this for personal power has the unfortunate consequence of making Dunn's actions and ideology less inherently vile and more stereotypically comic book villain. As though he didn't really believe in those things, but they were merely a means to an end. With those same ideologies wandering through our modern society, we really need to confront them for what they are and not shy away or convince ourselves that there is some slightly more palatable justification for what they are saying and doing. Allowing them to justify their actions in such a manner really prevents us from addressing the real problems and causes of racism and discrimination like this. And it does a disservice to everyone who is involved and everyone who it affects. Remember, you can find us at AvengersAssembly.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Next week, we are going to be taking a look at Avengers number 75, The Warlord and the Witch. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Let's just not come in tomorrow, let's just take a day. You ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it.